Thanks for checking out the New Hope Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you and transform you into who God is calling you to be. You are loved. Enjoy. We are in a, a brand new series called Bless This Home. And today we're going to be uh, talking about the home. But how many of you want your homes and your families to be blessed? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah, we got some, got some people that want to be blessed, right? Anybody want your family cursed at all? No, I didn't think so, right? I think So we're all on the same page today that we want our families blessed. But I know that, we, that maybe it's hard in our culture to see a blessed home. Maybe we're struggling. Our family's struggling in certain ways. Maybe we're a blended family. Maybe we're a single parent. So every, I know every home looks a little different. But I believe that God still wants to bless your home. Amen? Everybody say home. Home is important, right? Our house is like just a location. You know what it feels like when you're home, right? It feels a little bit different. I believe that God wants to bless our home. And that's why we're taking all of March to go through and talk about this. You're like, well, Pastor Landon, I'm in college. Um, it's just me, myself, and I at my place. Hey, that's okay, because someday you're going to have a home. You're going to have kids, but you have a home right now. Maybe you're in high school. You're like, I don't know. I don't leave the house. That's okay. You can help parents out, right? Maybe you're, maybe you're um, middle-aged, or maybe you're a senior. You're like, well, I don't even have kids at home. Listen, I, I want to see every individual and every family blessed in our church and our community. Amen? So we're going to declare some blessings today, and we're going to talk a little bit about the home. Um, we're, we're applying... Matthew 5, uh, throughout this month, if you look at Matthew 5, if you want to open up to there, you'll see the Beatitudes. Jesus is up and he's on this mountain and he's, he's giving a sermon. And he's talking about, blessed are the poor in spirit. He goes through all of these people who are blessed. And so we're going to look at, at these characteristics. Uh, today we're going to talk about blessed are hungry and thirsty those who thirst for righteousness. Next week, we're going to talk about blessed are the pure in heart. Week three, we're going to talk about uh, blessed are the peacemakers. And week four, blessed are those who are persecuted. So God wants to bless our home. You know, I'm not saying this today because I have a perfect home. All right? If you've known me long enough, if, you're, if you've been around me long enough, I am not perfect. Amen. Right? And my wife's like, oh, Lord, help him. But none of us are perfect. My home is not perfect. I'm not perfect. Tara's not perfect. Emma's not perfect. But there are some great things that we do. There's some things that we do that aren't so good. We argue sometimes. Everybody said, ooh. We have bad days. We disagree. We even had an argument a few weeks ago about ice cream. That's right. That's right. That ice cream has never been eaten since. Look, let's look at Matthew 5, 6 together. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your word. We pray that today you speak to us through the scripture. Lord, help us to understand this idea of blessing. 
And it's not because of what we do. It's not because of what we put on. It's because of you and who you want to take care of and bless. And so bless this message today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said. So look, let's look at this again. Matthew 5, 6. Can we all, can we stand and read this together today? Let's stand and read this together today. All right. One, two, three. Blessed are those who... Amen. You can be seated. I like that. I like that. It's important. So what are our homes filled with, right? Because Jesus says here you'll be filled. Okay, so maybe let's talk maybe physical for a moment and we'll get to the spiritual. But what, is, what are our homes filled with? Stuff, right? Stuff. What kind of food is your home filled with? What kind of, what's the atmosphere that your home is filled with? Is it good? Is it a good, is it good attitudes? I know right away when my daughter's tired. Right? Like, Lord help us with this kid. Right? You're like, Emma? Yeah, Emma. Okay? You just see her at church. <laughs> she stayed up late uh, on Friday night. Um, and... Uh, and then on, on, so yesterday, about 3 o'clock, she, she was done for the day. About 3 o'clock, Emma never has naps. She stopped napping at about a year old. And so she's had maybe three or four cents. I'm serious. And so yesterday, Emma had a nap. Come on, can we just give it up for Jesus? Um, but we get tired. We have attitudes, right? Maybe our home is filled with relaxation, Right? Maybe we got the nice couch and we can relax. Maybe a good time, energy, money. Anybody's home filled with money? So what would your kids say that your home looks like or feels like? Think about that for a minute. Is it comfortable? Is it fun? Let's be honest. What are we, what are our, is our home filled with? Is our home filled with moments of pursuing God? So today I want to talk about when we hunger and thirst. It's important that, that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Amen? But what are you feeding off of in your home? What does that look like? What, that moment, what, what, what does that look like in your life? You know, uh, recently Tara at the beginning of the year did a sugar fast with Revelation Wellness. They do a lot of fun stuff. And uh, they do this sugar fast thing, and the first, like, Tara got sick in the first week. The second week was okay. Third week was awesome. And then she kind of, she, she's like me. She drinks a lot of, like, Coca-Cola and stuff like that. She does the uh, Coke Zero, right? And at the end of the month, she took a sip of someone's Coke Zero, and she's like, oh, it tastes like dirt. And she hasn't had one since. So her, yeah, there you go. And so her cravings have changed. What are you craving? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsting for in your homes with your, with your family, with your kids, with your grandkids, with your, with your friends from college? What, what are you craving? You know, when we, when we feed on things that are good for us, we stop craving junk. 
Have you noticed that in your life? When you start reading the Bible every day, when you start praying, when you come to church weekly or on Wednesday nights and on Sundays, have you noticed that what you crave is different? Oh, I used to do this. I used to crave that. I watch that now, and I don't want to watch that. I remember when I was, when Tara and I first got married, we, there was a few movies that I would watch uh, as a teenager, and they were funny. If I mentioned them, you'd know, the, you'd know what they were. So I'm like, hey, Tara, you, let's watch this movie tonight. And I turn it on. She's like, this is awful. <laughs> I was still in the craving junk part of my life. She had already moved way past that. But what are, what are we craving? You know, I think we need to change our appetite, or we at least have to look at the menu of, of our life and see what we're hunger, hungry for and what we're thirsty for. So, I want to I tell you what doesn't work. Okay? We're going to put these up here. What doesn't work is this. Legalistic Christianity. Everybody say, come on. Legalistic Christianity, you know, the do's and the don'ts, right? I remember growing up and you couldn't go to church if you did this or if you look like that or if you had this lifestyle or you could go but people would look at you, like stare you down like this angel, like why are they here? Why are they sitting beside me? And they move, they even move a row, right? Maybe what that person is doing isn't right but church is to introduce people to Jesus, Amen? It's not to be legalistic. You know, what I think is rules without relationship lead to rebellion. And we need to be careful about what rules we have for other people. That's where we get into this legalistic thing. Now, the second part that doesn't work is lukewarm Christianity. Right? Imagine your kids come to church and they're like, Yay, we're, we're Christians on Sunday. And then they go home, they're like, the rest of the week, why is dad different at church on Sunday than he is on Monday and Tuesday? Why is mom different? Why does it look different on Wednesday night than it does on Thursday afternoon? You know, uh, lukewarm Christianity means that we believe in God we know he existed, he, we know he exists, but it's, it's, that's it. We're Christians by name only. And really, we live in the South, right? Come on, praise the Lord, we live in the South. Yeah, okay. So I want to tell you a little story. I, I, uh, I'm Canadian, but I became American recently. Yeah. I got some Canadian friends in the house. But I told Tara, I said, listen, I became American, so do I get to choose if I'm a northerner, if I'm a Yankee or a southerner? She hasn't answered me yet, but I chose southerner. Yeah. Sorry. I, listen, we got some Yankees in the house. Let's give them a big hand. <laughs> a little bit of fun. But culturally in the south, we go to church, don't we? We show up at church on Sunday, we go Wednesday. It's a cultural thing, but we cannot just make it a cultural thing. Because really that's being lukewarm. We need to make it an everything. We need to make Jesus everything. So that brings me to what does work. 
And I got a little statement. If you want to write it down, it'll be, in, it'll be in the notes as well. But what does work? We're not just a Christian family. We are a Christ-centered home. We're not just a Christian family. Like I'm talking about your homes, my home. But we are a Christ-centered home. Everything we do needs to revolve around our relationship with Jesus. Right? Imagine you have a wheel, the hub, that middle, that center that holds all the things together on your vehicle for your tire. Jesus needs to be in the center of that. And then everything else exists outside and around that. You know that 80% of Americans say they're Christian. Okay. But... I was thinking about this. You may be able to call yourself a duck. You may quack, but if you can't fly, you're not a duck. Right? So we've got to be careful to say, well, I'm a Christian. When we're Christ followers, everything that we do is centered around Him. Amen? Look what it says in Psalm 61.1. Psalm 61, 63.1, I'm sorry. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. It's important that whatever season that we are in, that we thirst and hunger for the things of God. We may be, like at the beginning of the year, I love the beginning of the year at church, right? We talked about focus. We talked about we seeing clearly. We talked about the cross. But what happens is, if we're not careful, we start saying, well, I'm focusing on Jesus. Well, you know, the end of January comes along and we start going, well, yeah. And then into February, we need to always be focusing on Him. You know, I love that this scripture, what it says, blessed are those, right? It doesn't say blessed are those who follow Jesus when it's convenient, right? The scripture that we're looking at today says, I'm going to go back up to it, it says blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, we... we we thirst for a lot of things, don't we? Right? We're hungry for a lot of things. But my goal as your pastor, my goal as a dad and a husband, is that I help my family see God as loving, approachable, and involved. We want to see God as loving. You know, God is so loving, isn't he? You know, a lot of times, like, even myself, you know, this morning on the way here, a guy passed me on the inside, like, on the grass. I wasn't, in my head, I was not loving to this dude. Like, I'm like, what is this guy doing? But God is so loving that he sent his son Jesus to come and die on the cross to be crucified on the cross for you and me. 
That's how loving our God is. And we need everybody around us to know the love of God. That's part of our job as a parent, as a grandparent, as a teenager in high school, as a college student, as a single. Whatever place you are in life, home needs to be that place where we see God as loving. We see God as approachable. Right? God is not some God far away who's mad at you and gonna, like people are always talking about lightning striking, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna back up from that person. No, God is the most approachable being in the universe. Amen? We might be like, oh, I'm very approachable. You can text me anytime. I'll text you back in a week. <laughs> Sorry. But God is so approachable. We can talk to him at any moment of the day, at any moment of the night. Isn't that amazing? And God is involved. God didn't leave us. He didn't forsake us. Right? Jesus went to prepare a place for us, but he gave us Holy Spirit. He's God, God is present, involved in our, in our daily life right here. And I feel that in our culture, especially being in the South, we're used to, hey, church, we love Jesus, right? Right? Jesus and Trump and guns and, you know, we all sorts of shirts, right? It's kind of, that's, right? But it can't just be a cultural thing. It's got to be a daily thing. And God is involved in our life. We need to put all of our involvement into what he wants us to do. Amen? Amen. So I asked Emma the other night, I said, what advice would you give? She's nine years old. I said, what advice would you give to a family to help them be Christ-centered? I, I just asked her before bed one night, and Emma said, well, they should, they should read the Bible together. I said, that's a good one. I said, well, they should, they should really pray together. So that's a good one too. That's a really good one. And they said, they should just be really loving toward each other. Amen? You know, she's nine, and that's, that's her three things. So I want to give you um, a few things. Uh, I want to give you a couple points today that create some hunger for God in our life. You know, these won't be, like, you can, you can, we could talk all day about this hunger and thirsting for righteousness. But I want to, I want to give you three ideas here. Um, number one, involve God in our daily conversations. God needs to be in our daily conversations. Amen? You know, I was, I loved, uh, I hung out with some friends the other night. And um, they were talking about just their young kids. They go to our church here. They got three little girls. And uh, we went and ate together. And we were just talking about the Lord and, and kids and stuff. And, and they said that, uh, recently, their young kids, three, four, five-ish, around that age, um, uh, Stephanie said, Stephanie Lanier said, yeah, recently my daughter prayed for my headache, and my headache went away, and she was like, well, yeah. <laughs> and... And are we involving God in our daily life? Are we just like, well, I'll just throw some ibuprofen over there and get it done, right? 
But we need, like, that's a natural thing. So, so Stephanie and Blake are involving God in their daily life when their kids say, well, let's pray about it. Isn't that awesome? Well, let's pray about that. You know, you know, it's amazing when we're driving in the car, or, you know, Emma's asking all these questions, right? If you have a nine-year-old, they ask every question. Dad, where does babies come from? Uh, Tara? <laughs> you know, there's all sorts of questions like that, right? And we haven't answered that question yet. <laughs> However, we're working into that question. Take your time. But every time we talk about a situation, Emma, her, her, her base or her foundation is what we've really taught her, Right? So what her normal is, is what we've, that what we've got to involve her in. And so we try to, as much, the most we can involve God in the situation. You know, and so it's important that we do that. So if we're at the beach, the sunset, if we're talking about the sunset, we're, we're telling our daughter, isn't it amazing what God created? This beautiful Florida sunset on Lido Beach. Amen? You know, when we're talking about marriage, we're telling Emma, we're telling her how important marriage is to God and the importance of marriage. And uh, number two, let's look at number two. Make church non-negotiable. Listen, if we're going to be hungry and we want to be thirsty for the things of God, and our, we want our home to be blessed. We want to live a righteous life. We need to make church non-negotiable. You're like, Pastor, you just want people to show up at church. <laughs> yeah, I do. But it's more than that. I believe when we're at church, we have people who are going to encourage us, who are going to give us a car. No, <laughs> I'm just talking about that earlier, right? We talked about that. We're going to have people around us who are going to put their arm around us and pray for us. Church needs to be non-negotiable, not because we need tithe money, not because we need to count up all the people who show up on Sunday. To me, that's not as important as people becoming free, people having a real relationship with Jesus, and people having a real relationship with Christ, other Christ followers. Amen? Come on. But it's non-negotiable. We, we need to study the Bible together. We need to gather together in groups. Maybe when I say church too, that doesn't mean this physical place. I mean, let's hang out with the church. Let's go do dinner together. Let's invite friends over to the house. I've heard lots of people doing that, right? And so it needs to be non-negotiable. It needs to be something that we're regularly doing. Look what Romans 10, 17 says. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. Listen, sometimes when I'm low in my faith, either I open up the Bible or someone from church will text to encourage me a scripture. They'll call me up. We need to be hearing the word of God, not just from ourselves, but from somebody. Maybe it's someone's preaching. Maybe it's a Bible study. Maybe it's just getting together with friends and encouraging each other. Look what it says in Acts 4.2. Or, sorry, 2.42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to sharing a meal and to prayer. 
It's important that as Christ followers, if we want a blessed home, if we want to hunger and thirst for righteousness, we need to gather up. We need to come together. And in Hebrews 10.25 says, And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Listen, we talk about this often, and we need to talk about it even more often, that Jesus is coming back for his church. Right? We hear all these things that are happening in the world. That doesn't mean that it's any sooner or any further away, but it means that Jesus is coming back. God wants to take his family to heaven. And he wants it to be crowded, right? And if we're going to be encouraged and filled full of faith until that his coming, we need to gather together. We need to draw near to each other. So we've got, number one, involve God in our daily conversations. Number two, make church non-negotiable. And then number three, you want to write this down or you have it in your notes, show how seeking and serving God is fun. Did I have that one up there? Sorry. There we go. Oh. Show how seeking and serving God is fun. You're like, wait a second. I don't, I, those two go together. Listen, I'm a fun guy. I like having fun. I feel like I have one of the funnest jobs on the planet. I get to be a pastor. I get to serve in God's church. You know, we love being part of church. You know, Emma, I know if we're away or we're missing, we're, we're, let's say we're on vacation, Emma's like, what about church? What about our family? <laughs> you know, or she'll come home singing the praises of whoever was in her class teaching her. Oh, I love so-and-so. You know, they taught me this. You know, church needs to be, and our faith needs to be fun. It needs to be where we're not scared to talk to our kids about Jesus. You know, I, I had a friend who said um, they would do a prayer time at their home. They called it popcorn prayer. And they'd have popcorn, and they'd eat popcorn, and they'd pray together. Popcorn prayer. That's fun. You might want to take that and do that. You know, I love it when I go in and, and I see Emma uh, reading her Bible. You know, I'll go into her room and she's, she's opening up the scripture. You know, and I think that we need to make not just church a fun place, but we need to make our homes a fun environment for whoever's there. A hospitable place. You know, what I talked about today may to you seem like, oh, Pastor Landon, this is unattainable. You don't know the situation that I'm in. You don't know who I'm living with. You don't know my spouse. You don't know what my kids are like. You may think like, oh, this is so unattainable what you're talking about. This is so far past me. You know, that's kind of what I think sometimes too. I think about this vision that God has for my family and I'll, I'll fail or I'll do something dumb or I'll say something that I shouldn't. But God said, this is attainable. 
not because you're going to attain something, but because I'm there with you every step of the way. Make me the center of your home and you'll see the difference. I will fill every crevice and cranny and every thirst and hunger that you have, I will fill it because blessed are those who thirst and hunger for righteousness. Amen? You know, and I, and I want to talk to the men for a minute. Men, we need to lead our homes well. We need to say no to some things and we need to say yes to some things that we haven't been saying yes to. We need to have a Christ-centered home. And if we're going to do that, it's important that men in our culture step up and do what God's calling us to do. Amen? It's amazing. If you look at the statistics of, of a dad or a husband who gets saved, that it's like 90% chance that the rest of the home will be saved. Isn't that amazing? It almost cuts in half. It's the mom. If it's the kid, it's even lower. But if dad gets saved, if the husband gets saved and follows Jesus and leads, then the whole family does. Isn't that awesome? I love that in, in, uh, in Luke 19, um, it's, it talks about how important it is. Luke 19 talks about this guy named Zacchaeus. And Jesus is at his home. And Jesus says, salvation has come to this home. When Zacchaeus got saved. You know what? He didn't say salvation has come to Zacchaeus. He said salvation has come to this home today. Listen, the story I was talking about earlier with Paul and Silas in the prison. Guess what? The jailer, he's like, uh-oh, all the prisoners are out. Right? The, the, the doors had come open. And Paul's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. We're all still here. He was going to kill himself. He's like, I can't deal with this. I'm letting everybody out of the prison. And guess what? It says in the Bible that his whole family, because of Paul and Silas, their faith, his whole family were saved and baptized. Amen? So men, I, I think it's important that we lead well. Uh, Joshua, look at this. Let's stand today as Jacob comes. Let's stand today. And I want to read this last scripture with you. But if serving the Lord seems unattainable or undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You know, Joshua is going through this. He's telling the people of Israel what God had told him and how important it was for them to serve the Lord and to follow him. So he's saying, listen, if this doesn't seem desirable to you, that's fine. But Joshua, a man of God, says, Whether the God of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the God of the Amorites in whom, whose land you are living, but... Everybody say, but. I just made you all say, but. Okay. But as for me in my household, as for me in my home, he declared it that moment, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Can we just declare that today? Let's read starting at as. 
One, two, three. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Listen, we're not just a Christian family. In our homes, we're not just a Christian cultural family. We are a Christ-centered home. Amen. You know, maybe some of you are hearing this message for the first time, or maybe this morning you came in, you're like, didn't know what to expect. Maybe you haven't been in church a long time. I believe that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. Amen, church? And so this morning, I want to ask this question. If we don't mind bowing our heads for a moment. Today, maybe you say, you know what? I, I don't know. But I want to take this moment. I want to follow Jesus today. I want to put my faith and my trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior. As, as the one who I call on. I want to make Him the center of my home. I want to make Him the center of of my heart. Would you just, if you asked you for the first time or maybe haven't in a long time, would you just raise your hand and say, that's me. Oh, I'm making that decision today. Just raise your hand. One. Anybody else? Two. Anyone else? Three. Amen. Amen. Well, if you want to join with us, we'll say this prayer together. Jesus, thank you for my life. Thank you for going to the cross for me and my household. Forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you from this moment on. Give me the gift of your Holy Spirit in and through me. Let me have a Christ-centered home. Not a lukewarm home. Not a legalistic home. I choose this day. I will serve you and follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you said that prayer today for the first time, or maybe it's your rededicating your life to Jesus. Listen, I have a free uh, gift I want to give you. It's called Fresh Start Book. Um, we'll have someone at the table. It's when you're going out just to the right before you go into the foyer. We'd love to get that book in your hand. Um, also, if you if you did that today, would you also just write us a quick note on one of the um, welcome home cards in the front, in your seat in front of you? That would be great. Come on, listen, can we can we pray one more time together? Grab someone's hand. Lord, I pray that today, as we declare that we will choose to serve you, Lord, I pray that, 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 that this declaration wouldn't stop on Sunday, but God, it would go through all the week and through our lifetime and to the generations to generation to generation. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. Come on, let's give it up for Jesus in the house. Amen.